And yet I want it back. I want somebody to make a performance-centered, hour-long holiday show. Who's going to do it? Somebody give okay. it to me. Yeah. You're that world out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone out there can put that together. I want for the Foo Fighters to do a song on somebody's holiday special <laughs> with Christy McNichol and Carol That's Burnett. Right. I don't oh, know. Wouldn't that be great? Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. A whole lot of love and it's what we'll be bringing. We'll make you happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation whose first jewelry was a house key on a string tied around your neck. We believe our Gen X childhood gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. And today, we are saving some of our favorite parts of last year's holiday episodes, plus some of those crazy, campy Christmas variety shows of the 70s. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. Tuesday, Fonzie's bar humbugged by a Christmas surprise from his long-lost dad. I haven't seen him since I was three years old. He sends me a package. Whoa. On happy days, then Laverne and Shirley get into the holiday spirit by helping the less fortunate raise some Christmas cash. Then Karen and Richard Carpenter celebrate Christmas with Christy and Jimmy McNichol, Gene Kelly, and Georgia Engel on the Carpenter special, A Christmas Portrait. Tuesday on ABC. Michelle, is there anything more quintessential 70s than the Christmas variety show? Loved them. Oh, my I gosh. I loved them, and they don't make them like that. They try oh now, and they're just almost, like, laughable. They were oh, laughable I totally then, but agree. we were, like, in on the joke or something. I don't know. Yeah, and it was just the um, variety, truly, of celebrities that they would <laughs> gather on some of those shows was... Mind-blowing when you look right? back now and think, oh, my gosh, how did they get all of them together? How did they get them to sing and dress up like a, you know, Victorian? Right. I don't know. Well, they were so I mean, random. Like, you know, you, you can have Adam Rich and Dorothy Hamill on the same um, variety show, and you loved yes. it and didn't question it at all. No, you did not at all. And I think looking back that I'd have to say my absolute favorite Christmas specials um, – belonged to the Carpenters. I just love Mm -hmm. the Carpenters and I love their music. It's just not Christmas to me until Mm -hmm. I hear Merry Christmas, Darling. Greeting cards have all been sent. The Christmas rushes through. But I still have one wish to make. A special one for you. Which um, was the first actual, the first Christmas song that they ever recorded. And fun fact, Richard composed the music for that as a college student in 1966. His choir director at the time, um, his professor had written the lyrics 20 years prior to his wife or girlfriend at the time for a Christmas present. And in 1966, asked Richard if he would write, compose the music for it, which he did. And obviously it's the iconic song that we know. 
that was 1966. So for a couple years from the late 60s, every once in a while, Karen would maybe sing it at a holiday party. And that's as far I, as it, it went. I can't even imagine. I can't imagine being at a Christmas party and just where everybody's just milling about the piano and Karen Carpenter just starts singing Merry Christmas, no. darling. And that's not a song. And, and it not being a song that everyone's like, oh, here she goes. Karen's going right. to sing that hit. It's right. just a song they have in their arsenal that she just comes out with. Ugh. Exactly. So that's kind of where it was, how it was for a few years until 1970 when Richard said, you know, thought this might make a good single. He asked uh, his choir director, whose name was Frank Pooler, and Frank said, sure, go ahead, record it as a single, which Karen and Richard did in 1970. And Right away, it was a hit, and it hit the top spot of the Billboard Christmas charts um, very quickly after it was released, and truly has been on my holiday playlist ever since. It wasn't until 1977 that we actually got our first Carpenter's Christmas special on TV, right. which, again, seems kind of mind-blowing. And up until this point, they haven't had an album. They just have had right. um, Merry Christmas Darling released as a single, and I think Santa Claus is Coming to Town yeah, was another the single that they yeah. released. So... Let me tell you, the script for this one, because uh, one of the things I loved about the Carpenter specials was there was kind of a story, a narrative kind sure. of woven in throughout the um, the episode. So you start um, in 1977 special with a real close-up of Karen Carpenter singing Sleigh Ride, and she's all in white. I think there's almost mm -hmm. fur, like white it's, fur Yeah, she's almost got like hood, and, and it's just, you know um, how, listeners, you know how the Sleigh Ride starts where it's just her just real slow and then the music starts in so that whole right. beginning part was that I think it's like acapella almost isn't it I was She's I was just singing ask, it yeah. and then when the music picks up da, 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 it pans back and wow we've got some dancers we've got costumes. we've got Richard in a white tux <laughs> yeah it's it is one of those production oh, numbers and, 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 and the best are the special effects, like pop, pop, pop. There's a happy feeling when she goes pop, pop, pop. The the people pop in and out, like they dis, like the, the the people standing next to her appear and disappear. You know they thought this was like technologically like mind blowing. Like we're gonna make them disappear and appear when she says pop, 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 pop. pop. Yeah, it's so. That kind of sets the stage for our, for our uh, <laughs> listeners to kind of picture this. Um, and then we go from that to there's a scene and Karen is talking to Richard on the phone. And she's talking about her annual holiday party. And Richard is telling her he doesn't think he's going to go. He just is not feeling Christmassy right now. So they hang up and she kind of wonders to herself, why... <laughs> What, why is he so blue? Does he maybe want an old-fashioned Christmas? And then we have like, and we go to like a yeah, dream sequence where all of a sudden they're all dressed in Victorian attire. And Karen has on one of those big bonnet hats with big bow on the bottom. And we've got the dancers there back now, but this time they're in um, this Dickensian kind of wear. Yeah, it's my favorite costume she wears, though. I know it's all Victorian and kind of <laughs> ridiculous with the hood, but I want to I want to wear that costume so oh, badly. Oh, I do, too. I, yeah. Yes, me, too. It's like Maybe the strolling can... carolers. Yes, Wouldn't you exactly. love to be, like, okay, side note. How much would you love to be one of those really ridiculous strolling carolers that walks around like the malls, like the outdoor mall? Well, you've probably heard me share. I we mean, should my, do it. Let's do it. We can't sing. My retirement dream is to <gasps> be right. like one of those reenactor people at, in that's Colonial right. Williamsburg. Colonial Williamsburg. So that's what's happening. I guess we could have been an extra on the Carpenter's Christmas special <laughs> in the 70s if we, we really could've. wanted to do that. Um, 
so we've got them singing Winter Wonderland is the song we get treated mm. to during that little vignette. Um, and, you know, again, Karen's just hoping that maybe Richard will change his mind. Meanwhile, Richard is just kind of wandering the streets of L.A., kind of shuffling along because he's really blue. He's just not in the Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decides he wants a cup of coffee. So he um, strolls into where everybody goes to get a cup of coffee in mm-hmm. L.A. in 1977. The local bowling alley is oh, where course. he... Yes, naturally. Yeah, he walks in there um, up to the counter. So and random. lo and behold, um, the bowling alley employee that's going to help him is Harvey Corman. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Yes. But yeah, so they do this little song and dance there, and then they become fast friends. And then they go outside, and they stumble upon a forlorn-looking Christy McNichol. (laughs) So Harvey and Richard walk up to her. I'm like, what's wrong, little girl? And she explains that her parents have decided to go out of town for Christmas and left her alone. Well, Richard feels kind of bad and says, oh, well, my sister's having a party tonight. You could go to her party. Um, She's Karen Carpenter. And just then, (laughs) we get another one of our fun little dream sequences. And this one is Karen and Christy dressed as kind of Raggedy Ann ragdolls singing and dancing to a song I've never heard before (laughs) or since called Christmas Alphabet. C is for the candy trimmed around the Christmas tree. H is for the happiness with all the family. R is for the reindeer prancing by the window. Well, after she um, pulls out in her fancy car, they keep walking and stumble upon a again theater. <laughs> again, if you've never seen it, you can't even make this up. No, you couldn't. So... There's a puppet theater in the middle of this parking lot, and Kukla and Ollie, if you remember Kukla and Ollie, they were famous puppets in the 70s, but now Richard and Harvey get to banter with Mm. Kukla and Ollie, and Kukla and Ollie just tell them, you shouldn't be so sad and blue at Christmas. You know, we're going to cheer you up. We're going to get you in the spirit, and lo and behold, after some more doodle-doo kind of song and dance um, montages that we get... Richard and Harvey feel the spirit. They are going to go to Karen's party. Thank you, Kukula and Kukula Ollie. and Ollie. They saved the day. So, yeah, so then next thing we know, we are at Karen's house, and um, she's looking beautiful. Yeah, she does. And she um, greets her guests as they come yeah, to Christy the door. shows so up. <laughs> Kukula and Ollie, just the whole gang has gathered at Karen's house to celebrate the holidays, mm-hmm. and we are all the better for having watched it, it. It we are, and you know one thing I think is so interesting about this. In so this is in 1977, and all the songs they sing in this special are songs that are familiar to us. They sound like they just came right off the album Christmas Portrait. Christmas Portrait right. didn't come to be until the next year. They recorded Christmas Portrait, which wasn't released until October 13th, 1978. Um, it spent 226 weeks on the Billboard Top Holiday Album Chart, but shockingly, it only reached number five at its highest peak, um, which I find wow. really surprising because this is an album that is just beloved by not just our generation, the generation before us, the generation after us. My daughter, who's mm-hmm. 26, it's one of her favorite, if not you know, in her top Christmas albums. Um, and I feel like... One thing that's surprising to me is that the Carpenters are so wildly popular and this 
Christmas album is so popular that but that, that they only really have one. They they tried, mm-hmm. Richard released um, one or two after, I think there's one called An Old Fashioned Christmas that's really not widely distributed. I know I couldn't right. even find it on Spotify. Um, but, you know, you you look at some, some other kind of quintessential Christmas artists from this same time or a little before, like, you know, Bing Crosby or Johnny Mathis or Andy Williams, Dean Martin, they all have, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten right. Christmas albums. And the Carpenters just have one, but it's almost like that's, it's sad, but at the same time, that one album is kind of all they needed. Um, oh gosh. Yes. Richard says, one of the biggest regrets of my life is that Christmas Portrait isn't really a Carpenter's Christmas album. It's a Karen Carpenter Christmas album, which is dandy, but not the album we'd wanted to make for so long. With the exception of Merry Christmas, Darling, the album didn't have a hint of the trademark Carpenter's sound. I don't, I don't get that. I love the whole album. I do think Me it's too. interesting that you don't hear Karen for like the first, what is it, maybe 15 mm-hmm. minutes? Yeah. And we know this is true because unlike a lot of Christmas CDs that you just shuffle around, this is one, you can't shuffle this CD. You can't shuffle this album. We, we all know this to be true, correct? You have to mm-hmm. listen to it right. from, from beginning to end in order. And we all know, our brains just know what comes next, what comes next. Right. And if you hear it out of order it screws everything up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I was thinking back, because I've had this album in every, I think, iteration that it has been distributed. So every time I put my penny into the Columbia Record and Tape Club, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. envelope, Christmas Portrait was always Aww, one of my choices, yeah. whether it was the yeah. A-track, the cassette, the CD. Um, I've, we've always mm-hmm. um, owned it, and uh, it's just iconic and would not be Christmas without no, it. No, so, I totally um, agree. You can yeah. only imagine then how excited I would have been in 1978 when the Carpenters have their second Christmas special entitled A Christmas Portrait. So yeah, let, let's just go ahead and say, tell you who the guests are, and then I'm going to tell you what Richard kind of thought about the, um, about hey, the special. Hey, give us the roster. So, <laughs> yes, so we have Christy making um, her... Second appearance. Okay, so show. odd to me, but let's Karen, just, let's just think, go with just it. I think just really enjoyed Christy, but Christy had a little stipulation, thank mm. goodness. She said, I'm honored, whatever, but I'm only going to do it if you also invite my brother, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy has to do it with me. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine little Carolyn's heart in 1978? No, I'm just, I mean, actually, people? your heart right now is probably, your blood pressure probably just went up. The Carpenters and Jimmy McNichol is just, and Christy, I mean, that could have been just it, mic drop. Yeah. We don't even need anybody else. You could have died. You could have died the next day. I could have. And I didn't need the other guests we had, but go ahead. We're going to throw them in anyway. (laughs) We are going to have Georgia Engel, everybody. Do you remember Georgia? She was Georgette from the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, And then we have, uh, well, we have Gene Kelly. Let's just go ahead and say he is. I know, but this is just. It's just so bizarre. I'm sorry. Yes. This just this mix of people is just blows my mind. Blows to my see, mind right now. Yeah, out of the they're way. all yeah. going to be on stage singing at the same time together. Um, oh, and then we have this little, I almost want to say this elfin gentleman or something. It, it, they have this magician, and he's debuting on the show. So it's like yes, and introducing yes. Peter Pitt. I don't really know what happened to Peter Pitt <laughs> after. The carpenter well, because, special, but because the magic is the most pathetic magic. Like one thing, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast before. <laughs> yes. I believe I have. I 
love a magician. Like I, I am like obsessed with magic shows, magicians, whatever. This magician, it's like the most pathetic. It's like, it's like me doing magic. I used to do magic shows, fun fact, for my neighborhood <laughs> when I was in like third grade with my little box of magic tricks. Um, I was better, let's just say, than Peter Pitt. <laughs> than Peter Pitt. So, yeah, so it's the same kind of, like you just said, kind of campy, just bizarre to see Georgette from Mary Tyler Moore standing next to um, Gene Kelly, Peter Pitt kind of popping around in the background. <laughs> this is what Richard said about the special. Oh, I hate it, Richard quipped. I mean, again, I was rail thin, and Karen didn't look much better either. And it was Christy McNichol again, and she would only do it if we got her brother, Jimmy McNichol. And Jimmy was no musical talent. <gasps> oh, oh, my heart. Of course, Christy didn't have much musical talent either. Oh. But she and Karen had great fun, great chemistry. Yeah, so Richard wasn't a Jimmy fan. Bummer. So that was um, our last, sadly, Carpenter's mm -hmm. Christmas special was that one in 1978. Mm -hmm. um, and will obviously go down in history for many reasons in my um, heart. And actually, what was kind of interesting to know, there were 46 holiday specials that year, 1978, oh, wow. and A Christmas Portrait ranked number 15 out of the 46. So okay. Richard maybe didn't like it a lot, but a lot of other people did. Um, well, I love them. And the other one, we're going to talk about, um, another variety special, um, well, a series of them because oh these, my gosh, yes. these specials went all the way from 1976 to 1981. And this is what I looked forward to. Um, I mean, if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know how much I love Donnie and Marie. But the Osmond family Christmas specials are just gold. Again, all of them are available on YouTube. <laughs> I loved, loved them. I loved the funny banter between Donnie and Marie, which was so yes. much like their show, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I loved them poking fun kind of at their humongous family, which were always all present. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, all the wives, all the kids. All the wives, all the grandkids. Grandparents, um, everything. Yes. They did family talent shows usually and every mm -hmm. um, Christmas special. Um, and I just loved the love for their family was just so apparent. And they all just seemed, um, they just seemed like they had so much fun together. Um, you know, also always present was mother, were mother and father. Yeah, oh, Olive got was always Olive, there. Olive and George were always there. I just find it so fun to watch them starting at 77. Um, watching Marie's hairstyles, if, if you do nothing else, just watch yeah. them all to watch Marie's hairstyles change from year to mm -hmm. year. Um, and you guys, she's a baby. Let's not forget when they started Donnie and Marie, she was 16 years old. She's so mature. She looks mm -hmm. way older. I mean, her makeup's gorgeous. Um, she's just so natural. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's confident. cute and funny and yes, she has such a presence. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love her voice and anyway, I loved them. I wanted, I did not come from a family like that, like a really big family. I wanted to be part of that family. I mean, obviously as Donnie's wife, right. <laughs> that was the way I wanted to be part of it. But, um, when I watch it still, I, I have a little bit of FOMO of, of a family like that. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I want to go through each year because I want to touch briefly on some of the, we talked about the, in the Carpenters, just the weird mix of guests. 
the Osmonds, the Osmonds um, were, were doing the same thing. So we started in 1976, the very first one, which is one of my very favorites, and it's Andy Williams and Paul Lind. Now, of course, we all know the Osmonds got their start, the Osmond brothers got their start on the Andy Williams show, and especially were always a part of his Christmas specials. Uh, they're all so young, because Donnie says he used to watch his brothers on Andy Williams, and he would say to his to mother and father, mother and father, <laughs> uh, at, at age three, four, he would say, that looks like a lot of fun. I want to do that. Um, so he made his debut on Andy Williams at age five, and then the rest is history. Okay, so in, and so in 1976, so Andy Williams comes in and makes appearances. And one thing, Andy Williams makes appearances on many of their Christmas specials. Um, and then Paul Lind, you know, being Paul Lind, basically. Yeah, that's what he <laughs> uh, was on there kind of goofing being goofy um and then in 77 we've got paul lind again which is again i i don't think would you have put the osmonds with paul lind no yeah so anyway so then in 1978 is where we first see debbie because in 1978 donnie broke my heart oh. i mean donnie broke the world's so, heart yes. when he married debbie debbie and so Debbie shows up right at the beginning. Of course, the whole family's there. Um, so in 1978, everyone's showing up, and they're like, where are Donnie and Debbie? And immediately, we go out to a snowy field, and Donnie and Debbie are walking, <laughs> just walking along. You know how it is living in Minnesota. We know how this is. Maybe some of you listening don't. But if you're walking on snow that is maybe, I don't know, over 12 inches deep, and the top is a little bit of a crust, but the underneath isn't. It's kind of hard to walk. You kind of, you fall down each time you step. <laughs> your foot goes all the way through, and maybe it goes up to your knee, and you got to pull it out and walk. But then sometimes you hit a part of the snow that holds your weight, and you're like, oh, good, step, step, step. And then the next step, you fall through. So Donnie and Debbie are out taking a stroll in, like, the woods. And Donnie, of course, is wearing a ginormous cowboy hat for some reason. <laughs> And he's Wait, got on like. Stop? I want to stop for just a second to say we need to preface that all these Osmond specials were done in their studio, like the Osmond Studios in Provo. So that is true. You don't have like the fake Peter Pitt snow from on top of a, you know, fake roof. This is like real snow that they're out that, in. That is true. They all are yes. in Provo. But so so in 1978, so Debbie and Donnie are walking, and. For some reason, on the Christmas special, he needs to um, serenade her with once, twice, three times a lady. <laughs> that great and holiday he calls her, Yeah, that great, that, that, that great holiday standard. Thanks for the times that you've given me. The memories are all in my mind. And he looks right into her eyes, and it's so uncomfortable. They, like, literally stare into each other's eyes the whole song. And it's so vomit-inducing, and it's so also so obvious how much they're trying to push Debbie on us, right? Mm -hmm. And then the best is, I don't remember if it's in this song or if it's later, the best is there's, like, one of those Olin Mills superimposed <laughs> things where you see them at a distance. Now they're trying to sit. First of all, they've been walking and falling through the snow. It's not like a casual stroll. They keep falling through the snow. Anyway, they try to crouch and sit, and you've got sort of the wide-angle lens of the two of them, but then up in the corner, you've got kind of the frosty version of just their two faces up close. But then the best is that Debbie starts singing. Yes, 
so it's so uncomfortable. Okay, so that's 78. Um, 79 might be my favorite random funny episode. We have, well, ice skating. We need, we have to have Dorothy Hamill. It's 1979. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's what, three years off um, the Olympics, right? Was yeah. that 76? Yeah, 76. Yes. Yep. Um, um, we have Cindy Williams, who is actually really funny in this episode. She's kind of right. madcap. I love, there's a whole scene where she's trying to wrap presents with all the Osmond grandchildren and she basically just wraps all of them up. Um, then we have Andy Williams, of course. Um, and then we have Eric Estrada and my favorite, again, it's Adam Rich. So Adam Rich, Cindy Williams, Dorothy Hamill, Eric Estrada, Andy Williams, and you know, it's been a year, so we need to have the debut of Donald Jr. So Donnie and Debbie, of course, it's been a whole year, so we obviously have a baby. Um, (laughs) We have a baby who is clearly about three months old. So I did the math, and I was like, oh, you know what happened after that once, twice, three times a lady (laughs) last year? (laughs) That was mood music is what that was. And then um, also very random, Eric Estrada and Marie Osmond, there's some heat going on between those two. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I just think overall, they're just, they're just treasures of, uh, they're just time capsules of, of a Christmas show. And hey, um, you know what? I have a great idea. What's that? How about 2022, we have a PCPS holiday variety show and we get some of these people on and we come up with a great story and we do songs and dances and costumes and dancers. And we have just a mix of, you know, let's have Brooke Shields. Let's see if we can get Willie Ames. Um, let's just do it. Let's just a uh, mix of the, the most random people. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. I will. Okay. We're vision boarding in a couple weeks. I'm going to have a vision board. That's right. Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> right. And now a break for station identification. They say the holidays aren't about the getting, but about the giving, right? Wait, who says that? <laughs> right. But really, how great does it feel when you give someone the perfect gift? And I love that feeling. And you know, if all of you listening want that amazing feeling, we've got the perfect thing that you can give to us. That's right. You can give us the gift of sharing our society and podcast with others every day, every single day with everyone you know. And if you know Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, make sure you tell them. Yes, exactly. And if you want to give us another gift, you could subscribe where you listen and leave us a lovely review. Honestly, you guys, it's all we want for Christmas. Well, I mean, I also really want that Fisher-Price Bluetooth chatter phone, but this would be really great, too. And now, back to the show. In December of 2019, just before the world was halted in the face of a global pandemic, I performed a reading for a live audience at an event called Listen to Your Mother, a national storytelling show featuring local writers and their essays about motherhood. My essay, Winning Christmas, was about a very special Christmas gift I got, or more accurately, did not get, from my mom in 1978. We're supposed to say that Christmas is not about presents. We're supposed to be like Linus and push peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But let's be honest. When you were 10, you just couldn't stop thinking about presents. So let's cut through the peace on earth bullshit and admit that, yes, Virginia, Christmas really is about presents. And I think my Listen to Your Mother essay will prove it. So let's take a listen. I'll read the first part for you, and then you'll hear the actual live recording kick in. This is Winning Christmas. All I wanted for Christmas in 1978 was Andy Gibb. I wanted all the Gibbs, actually, even Robin. 
I wanted the Bee Gees to be my cousins or my roommates or maybe even my legal guardians. But what I wanted from Andy was a little bit more than that. I wanted the sweet, sweet vibe coming off that poster, the one with the red satin shirt, his arms open wide like he's beckoning to me, calling out, come on, girl, let's do this. The one my grandma saw and said, he sure likes his chest hair. Yes, he does, grandma, and so do I. I had recently graduated from the sweet innocence of Sean Cassidy's smooth chest to Andy's more openly sexual chest area, often shirtless but still jacketed, as if he was on his way out the door naked from the waist up and said, oh, it looks chilly out there. I'd better grab a jacket. So you can see why I'd be so desperate to find Andy Gibb under the tree, hopefully in the form of Shadow Dancing, his chart-topping smash album with the biggest song of the whole year on it, conveniently called Shadow Dancing a term I assumed had something to do with getting married. The cover of Shadow Dancing was just like the poster. Red satin shirt, chest hair, come on girl, let's do this. Get married, that is. And on Christmas morning, I saw a flat 12 by 12 square wrapped under the tree with my name on it. Oh, please God, I said to myself, please don't let it be a calendar. I held it in my hands, and my mom looked at me, smiling, like she knew my mind was going to be blown. This 12 by 12 square was going to make all my dreams come true, and she made it happen. She was going to win Christmas. I ripped the paper off. I stared at it and softly said to myself, what the hell is this? (laughs) (laughs) I'd never seen this before. It said Andy Gibb on the cover, but this was not my Andy Gibb. This guy was in black and white, no red satin shirt. And he had a weird punk rock haircut that looked more like the Kinks than the Bee Gees. Where was his soft feather hair? You could barely even see his chest hair. (laughs) This was not shadow dancing. It was Flowing Rivers, Andy Gibb's first album, which came out before I even knew that he existed, a lifetime ago, like six months or more. (laughs) Flowing Rivers sounds like a Florence Welk album. from a teenage heartthrob with dark curly chest hair popping out of his jacket. I'm sure I asked my mom for the Andy Gibb album. How would she know there was more than one? She probably went to the record department at Dayton's and flipped through the G's until she saw Andy Gibb. It's possible that every last copy of Shadow Dancing was sold out that day and this was all that was left. But how could she know that? I was confused, holding flowing rivers in my hands, while my whole family watched and waited for me to explode. (laughs) I saw no other 12 by 12 presents under the tree. This was it. There would be no shadow dancing that Christmas. But I did my very best to kindly and politely look at my mom and whisper an awkward thank you. It was a sad moment, actually, but not just because of Andy Gibb. I was sad that I could ruin a happy moment for my mom, the moment she had honestly and lovingly tried to make my Christmas dreams come true. Even as a child, I felt how important it was for parents to make their children happy on Christmas morning, and I sensed that growing up was making that a little more difficult. As they get older, the things that are most important to our children are often the things that are unspoken. The deepest desire, the unrealistic dream, the awkward fascination, the search for identity. When you're a prepubescent girl contemplating marriage to a rock star, most of that goes unsaid. (laughs) 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 What would my mom have said if I had told her about my married to Andy Gibb fantasy, the one
Shouldn't she break the news that 20-year-olds can't marry 10-year-olds? Or go smile and say, fingers crossed. <laughs> we can't know everything in their developing minds, and that makes finding that life-changing gift trickier as they grow up. No, Christmas is not about presents. But don't pretend that you don't live for that moment when you surprise your child with the perfect gift. Yeah. 25 years later, I'm a grown-ass married lady, <laughs> spending Christmas at my parents' house, and the gift waiting for me under the tree is a flat six by six square. It's either a CD or a desk calendar. <laughs> and truthfully, I'd be fine with a desk calendar. <laughs> but when I open it, I see the red satin shirt, the chest hair, the arms outstretched. Yes, it's shadow dancing. And for a quick moment, I get that thrill again of hoping we'll get married. Even though I'm 35 and he's dead, and my actual husband is sitting right next to me on the camera. of their seats, a little unsure, but looking like they fully expect to pop up and start high-fiving each other. <laughs> because it is never too late to win the whole damn holiday. Gosh, that was so, what a night that was. Kristen, you just did us proud. I was so honored to be your friend. We laughed so hard. I felt like I was, I don't know, listening to Seth Meyers or something. You will be a good <laughs> stand-up comedian, honestly. Great storyteller. What I love about Kristen's essay is how even all those years later, her mom is still trying to make her Christmas dreams come true. Oh, hell yeah. It's yes. true. Merry Christmas, Merry, Merry Christmas from your Kmart Christmas store. Save on sweaters and on hats. Every time Carolyn and I bring up a thing that we wanted but did not get, Michelle had it. Every time <laughs> Michelle had it. Okay, so we're gonna well, I, or my sister or I, yeah, I had it or in their household. So we're gonna yeah. do a little experiment here, Michelle. We're gonna we're gonna name some things that we wanted and did not get, and you're gonna say had it or not okay. had it or didn't. Okay, have it. all right. I can't speak English apparently. Okay, are you ready? Okay. Operation had it. Snow cone machine had it. My sister had it, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Real roller skates, not the kind that you tied on your shoes. Had them white boots with the red and blue stripes and the red wheels. Damn you. I wanted those. <laughs> the Barbie styling head. Had it. Turned her face red with years of use. Gnip oh. gnop. Had it. Still have it. Pong. Had it. Damn it. Gosh. Easy bake oven. Had it. 
had a version had the holly hobby easy bake oven oh even better oh my god ding ding still have it actually my mom just tried to pawn it off on me and i refused it okay uh on all of these like um, i'm gonna tell you what lynn said about all of them because she has she has an opinion about every single one of these okay um what's after easy bake oven um what about mousetrap i don't think i had it i don't oh, think oh. i had it no Thank God. Yeah, you deprived child. Um, okay, the slip and slide. No, did not have a slip and slide. Thank God. Okay, I'm so happy. So my mom, on all of these, my mom had an opinion. So operation, that won't work. That won't work. Snow cone machine, it won't work. Real roller skates, that's dangerous. Um, <laughs> Pong, I think she didn't understand what that was. Um, the Easy Bake Oven, that won't work. You can't bake brownies with a light bulb. And I was like, oh, my friends are. Well, let me tell you my it easy bake oven. Yeah. Because I had one, so I, I could have dinged on that. However, you know, it was dangerous. And so my mom said I could only use it when <laughs> she was around because I could burn myself or whatever and not cook the thing all the way through. On the um, light bulb. You could yeah. hit yourself on the light so bulb. So she had to be available. You know, she had to do it with me. She never wanted to do it. So it'd be like, can we Lillian. do the, the easy bake oven and make a cake? No, I don't know. Maybe later or whatever. And then it only came with like three little mixes. And so once those were gone, she never would let me buy any more mixes. So, so I had an easy bake oven. But yeah, so it was almost torture having it. It just taunted me. That is worse. That yes. is worse. <laughs> she wouldn't even let you use it. Um, okay. What the Barbie styling of the easy bake oven, the Barbie dream house. I think my mom, there, there were two, a couple of values at work here. One of them was, I think she thought it was excessive. And who do you think you are little miss to get something so big? Um, but I'm, but then there's also a Barbie thing too, where I didn't have Barbie until I was probably too old for Barbie. And instead I had Skipper and I think it has to do with breasts and high heels. So <laughs> how could I, you know, you're just a little kid and this sexy pants Barbie with the big boobies. Why would you play with something like that? And actually she's kind of right because when I did get a Barbie, I noticed my brother was playing with the Barbie quite often, <laughs> mostly by taking off her clothes. So Linda might've been right about that one actually. Well, what about uh, the skipper that you turned her arm and then she did get boobs and she grew a little bit? You didn't. Yeah, I thought you I had didn't that. Know about that? No, I didn't even know that existed. And I'm sure that Linda would have burned that one in a fire. <laughs> you would not have allowed that to exist in our house. The slip and slide, of course, dangerous. You'll rip your oh, foot yeah. right off on one of those wickets. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, the Holy Grail. I haven't even asked the Holy Grail yet. Michelle, did you yeah. have baby alive? Yes, had baby alive. Well, Damn not it. me. I had baby tender love. Okay, so I... Wait, um, what's the difference? Because baby alive does this. Yeah, yeah. she eats real yeah, you food. Baby alive, you mushed yeah. up, you actually mixed, I had a little bowl and I'd mix her baby food up and her little mouth was like battery operated. Yes. Both, but it made a little sound too. It would go like... Yes. And its little mouth would go open and close and you would put the little spoon in and then the food would disappear, and then you had to feed it a bottle of water after you fed it. But I remember the little packets of food, and I'd mix up the... She wasn't a very soft baby doll, though, because... Um, she, she had a lot of my favorite. machinations to do to digest all of that food. Yeah. Yeah. At least she baby, had a little diaper. 
Yeah. Oh, Baby Tender Love was soft. That was her thing. It was like real oh. human skin. I mean, it wasn't real. But, you know oh, what I mean. but Baby... It's possible I also had Baby Tender Love. Well, I had a lot that's of dolls. True. Well, Baby Alive, my mom would say, that is just gross. And she is going to grow mold inside of her. If you... Where does... You know, it was just like, no, that is not entering our yeah. home. Yeah, she was correct. It she definitely grew mold. Grew mold. <laughs> there was mold inside your baby alive? I think so. I think I can remember seeing sort of like um, a brownish hue oh, through her plastic. And I'm pretty sure it's because I was a terrible mother and I would get really um, like lazy and bored. So you're supposed to feed her her mushy, her baby food and then feed her a bottle after of water. I'm assuming that's to wash all the food through her so she doesn't grow mold. And probably I just gave up giving her the bottle and would just feed her the food and then it grew. Yeah. So don't tell my mom that. Yeah. Don't Let's hope like that's not one of the ones my mom still has. Because my, my mom has pretty much every toy oh, yeah, I had in my childhood still. I oh, wait, she still has it now with the mold in it? Of course. Oh. Of course she does. Oh, disgusting. yikes. <laughs> Next up, it's a Chipmunk Christmas classic entertainment with your favorite furry friends. Then, your favorite stars entertain at the NBC Family Christmas Party. Merry Christmas. Followed by Christmas in Washington with Debbie Boone, John Schneider, and the First Family. Next on NBC. Just watch us now. So it's season one of The Brady Bunch. Air date was December 19th, 1969. So I was only like six months old at the time. So I didn't, did not watch this in real time, but watched it many, many, many times since called the voice of Christmas. And whose voice are we referring to? Oh, Carol Brady. Oh, it's Carol's the yeah. voice of an angel. Right. So I also, so it's called the voice of Christmas, Christmas, but I think it could maybe an alternate title could be the one where Mike basically blows the whistle on Santa for all the kids watching. <laughs> because if you go back and rewatch it, which I did recently, he, when Cindy goes, first of all, can we just say that season one of the Brady Bunch, Cindy has never been cuter. Like she oh, is at her cutest yeah. and she very quickly goes downhill in subsequent <laughs> seasons, right? Once she seasons instead of the oh, puppy yeah, nails, no. it's a different mm-hmm. story completely. Season one, like, oh, she's so cute. So she, you know, Carol loses her voice. She's supposed to sing in the Christmas Eve um, or Christmas morning church. Um, uh, it's called you know, the church service. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you Carolyn's crucifix. Hashtag menopause. Okay. So <laughs> here's another question though. Do you guys remember, ever remember from that episode on, did the Brady's ever attend church? Did no, we know no, they were a church going no, family? No. Thank you. Okay. It was so anyway, but using her for her voice. So she's supposed to sing and she loses her voice. She gets larynx, you know, the doctor, it's a very, you know, official diagnosis. The doctor calls and she has something called laryngitis. And so she immediately, you know, they immediately put the towel over her head and the steamer. And basically she walks around the entire episode with a towel over her head, holding the steamer. Like she's trying to direct them where to put the Christmas tree. And she's talking like this the whole time, which you guys, that's so much worse for laryngitis than just talking. No, it goes over here. Um, but when Cindy, so Mike's got to take the kid, take the little ones to see, um, Santa Claus. So he takes, he's going to run to the, the department store. And this is so funny. There's a long line to see Santa. And he's like, oh man, like the store's going to, something like the store's going to close soon. And Cindy's like, it's okay, daddy. I can stand here in this line all by myself. And it's this long line, like a really long line. And he's like, oh, are you sure? She's like, daddy, like I am old enough. And he's like, okay, Cindy, well, you stay here. I'll be back in a little bit. So literally Mike leaves Cindy alone in line 
for who knows how long she gets up to see Santa, which already I'm like, where's dad? Like, this is so sad. She's going to have to go see Santa without daddy even there. But she goes, <laughs> he, he reappears when she's sitting on Santa's lap and all she wants for Christmas is for mommy to get her voice back. And Santa is just like, he, it's kind of creepy because he's telling her what a cute little girl she, you know, oh, you're such a pretty little girl. And her and, underwear is always showing too. <laughs> Oh, her dress is always so short. She climbs into Santa's lap, and they're grinder bonders. So she's sitting there. So Mike appears just in time to hear Santa promise Cindy that, yes, Mommy will get her voice back. So now somehow... Mike is in the department store locker room with Santa. Who knows where Cindy is? He's probably, you know, he probably just sent her home by herself. I don't remember um, this part. He's in the locker room where Santa's like, you know, un- like, this is why I'm saying as a child, I think this happily went over my head because Mike is actually confronting Santa and saying like, how can you promise Cindy something that you know you can't deliver on? And Santa's like opening the locker and getting his stuff out, like as if he's about to change to go home. And Mike is kind of confronting him in not a real pleasant way. Like, well, like, I don't think that was the right thing to do. And then they get home and Cindy's like, it's okay, mommy. You're going to get your voice back. I know because I asked Santa and he promised it. And then the music like goes, (laughs) 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 but you guys, this is like a really pointed look. Like over her head. Yes. You do the background music. Do the really slow background music. Well, you know, it's interesting that you point all that out now because I remember, because I I watched it a lot as reruns too, and um, that was that never or rarely was a rerun. Like you could, I mean, I could probably count on one hand how many times I saw that versus. Zillion, you know, that's three a good man. point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I wonder and, if there wasn't some kind of pushback on maybe the Santa the, reveal. Yeah. Well, she does get the voice back. Well, she does. Just don't forget. Don't. This is my favorite. She wakes up on Christmas morning and she's like, "Good morning," and he's like, "Say that again." And she's like, "Merry Christmas," and he's like, "Sing something." And she's like, "She like immediately goes into opera." So I remember too being a kid and watching all of them in the church service. And she is full on opera singing. Oh, come on, you faithful. And all the kids are sitting just smiling at her. So, like, we're so proud of her. And I was thinking, if I was one of those kid actors, you guys, I would have been busting up because <laughs> Okay, another fun fact about that episode, because I know we've talked about this before. And so I had to Google this and do a little math. So you're welcome for that effort. Um, uh, Alice. You guys, in this episode, was 43 years old. Stop it. Don't do oh. this to me. Don't. Take oh it my. back. Oh Take my. it back. She was 40. Okay, it was season one. So, you know, so, still, but still, that means that, Is that means that. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe they powdered it or something. Carol, uh, so Florence Henderson was like in her mid 30s She was like thirty five or something during this one, but but Alice was only forty three. Oh, oh my god! Okay, and can we just talk about the fact that even as a child, I knew it was bullshit that Cindy was going to ask Santa for her mother's voice right. because there was no way <laughs> I was going to have my opportunity taken away for something like that. I want my magic eight ball. My mom can stay home with laryngitis because I don't want to go to church anyway. (laughs) Right? 
family, your neighbors and your friends. May all your days be happy with the joy that never ends. May peace and love surround you at Christmas time and all the whole year through. We're signing off for this year and taking a much needed rest. And also, we will be hard at work getting season four ready for you. But don't worry, we'll be giving you encore presentations of our favorite 2021 episodes during our hiatus. Happy New Year, and thank you so much for listening and supporting us. We appreciate all of you more than you know. Happy holidays! In the meantime, let's raise our glasses for a toast, courtesy of Jack Tripper, Janet Wood, and Chrissy Snow. Two good times. Two happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Cheers. 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 To you and all your family, your neighbors and your friends, may all your days be happy with the joy that never ends. May peace and love surround you at Christmas time and all the whole year Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song.